0: Your hosts are here Sammy and Michelle By the end of this podcast You'll know them well Adulting, navigating
1: The journey of life Careers to relationships Pain and strife Put down the rule book Rethink the status quo If there's another direction You wanna go Find purpose, passion and mastery In all that you
0: do We're status host adulting hey
1: status post adulting fam this is sammy and michelle and you're listening to the 36th episode of status post adulting where we are talking about my student loan journey but first let me check in with my co-host michelle how are you doing
0: michelle i'm doing well sammy how are you
1: i am doing really good because there's
0: no amount of fun that you cannot have when you have a library card. Wow, that's a very poorly quoted Arthur.
1: (laughs) What is it?
0: Having fun isn't hard when you have a library card. Yes.
1: (laughs) 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 Having fun is not hard when you have a library card. I have been excited that things have opened up a bit because I can go to the library, which I love to do. And the library in the neighboring city next to us is really amazing. And today... I realized that I still have a library card from my old city and I could get a new library card since I have a new driver's license.
0: I'm excited for you, Sammy, because now you can check out some books and get really smart and then you can go on Jeopardy. I
1: feel like I am not reading whatever books you need to be reading to get on Jeopardy.
0: And then you can meet Matt Amodio, current star of Jeopardy, the curly hair dude. (laughs) yes (laughs) which i don't know if it's just me in fact i know it's not it's but he has gotten very attractive as things have been going on now that he has a streak of like 20 or 30 or something he's looking real good now that his net worth is growing look it is completely unrelated to the fact that he just crossed over a million dollars and wins. Okay, I'm not about that. Wait, what? That's a lot of money on Jeopardy. That's right. Now, you, now you're now looking pretty good. No, he looks the same. <laughs> he looks very much the same, which is not a bad look. It's just not my type, not my type, not my type. <laughs> it's not your type. I think we've looked at the last five people you've even spoken to, and they look exactly the same. Think Stan from Eminem. <laughs> I, I am not attracted to Eminem. I mean, he's fine. <laughs> so anyway, you know who's not going to have student loan issues, Matt Mario. <laughs> I hope not. At least he is getting a PhD at Yale, so who knows how much those cost? But I am sure he can afford it at this point.
1: He can afford to pay it off. But yes, today we are talking about my student loan journey, which I am super excited to talk about. Literally, it gets me so excited.
0: While I'm not as excited as you, Sammy, I am excited because we did want to tackle the topic of student loans. It's difficult, of course, because everybody's situation is so different. And so walking through your student loan journey, how you made the decisions that you did throughout this experience will hopefully be helpful to other people who are in a similar situation.
1: Thank you, Michelle. I really hope it is. So let's start with the elephant in the room. Which is, I have $164,000 in student loans. Yes. Make sure you're not drinking liquid right now because you might spit it out. It's quite a bit of student loans. And that's why I want to talk about it. Because student loans are the most. And it's really important to know how to tackle them.
0: Tammy does have a good chunk of money owed to somebody. The government. <laughs> the government. Yes. Yes.
1: And you might be wondering, how did you get all these student loans? Trust me, I was wondering the same thing when I looked at my balance and saw that. So first, there was my undergrad. I actually got a full tuition scholarship to undergrad. Yes, people. I got a full tuition scholarship and I still managed to accrue some amount of loans. And that's because housing and taking classes during the summer were not covered. And of course, I could have found some way to pay for this without taking out student loans. But that did not seem like an option to me. For some reason, I saw that the government was offering me a lot of money to take, and I took it. The rest, I accrued in PA school, physician assistant school. And yes, being a PA, you do graduate with a six figure income, so that's great. However, I did also have $164,000 in debt. And that can be pretty intimidating. Once you realize that you're going to have to pay that off. I do think that in grad school, I started to realize that I needed to stop taking out so much money in loans. So I tried to cut back on that a little bit. But still, obviously, I still ended up with a good chunk of student loans.
0: I mean, I think that's a good point, Sammy, because when you're an undergrad, you're young, 17 in your case. And you do see things like student loans and the government being like, hey, you can take out a loan if you want to. And you're like, oh, awesome. I have bills to pay. I have to pay for housing. I got to pay for books and stuff. And a lot of people are making these decisions without having a very good financial background. Clearly, as you start to get older, I think a lot of people have this too. When they move into grad school, you worked in between a year, you start to see how loans aren't necessarily just free money. Exactly, Michelle.
1: So once I got out of PA school, I did a year long fellowship. And that's awesome because I got to learn a ton, but also the fellowship paid much less than a typical PA job. I'll be honest, I didn't do any type of crazy math at that time, but I had heard of public service loan forgiveness, also known as PSLF, which is for people who, if they work at a nonprofit for 10 years, And pay income based payments, which is usually around 10 to 15% of your income for those 10 years. Then, after 10 years, whatever remainder balance is on your loans will be forgiven, and the forgiven portion doesn't have a tax punishment, which is unlike some other types of forgiveness. Given that I was going to be making a lower income, I figured that moving towards public service loan forgiveness would probably be the best option for me. The nice thing about being a healthcare worker is. A lot of jobs are nonprofit, but certainly not all of them, and a lot of the higher paying jobs are private jobs. So after I finished the fellowship, I started working at a non nonprofit clinic. Not only is it nonprofit, but it's a federally qualified health center, so there's actually additional student loan benefits that you may be eligible for. Then I really had to start thinking about things. My main decisions were... I had to decide whether I was going to try to pay down my loans aggressively, saving as much as possible and paying down as much as possible. I realized that since I had moved to one of the most expensive areas in the country, that if I was planning on paying down my loans as aggressively as possible, I already made a terrible decision, which was going to make that difficult.
0: And Sammy, you were very excited to be in the Bay Area. Oh yes, I was very excited.
1: I was rating my happiness. 10 out of 10 at that time, I was literally elated. And then aside from paying down aggressively, I had the option to continue my student loan forgiveness with PSLF because I had completed one year already. So in that case, I would pay 15% of my now higher salary each year and pay that for the next nine years, hoping to get forgiven. And then the last option is the National Health Service Corps scholarship or the NHSC scholarship. And this particularly applies to clinics like mine, federally qualified health centers, which are specifically trying to provide services to underserved populations, where you can sign a contract for two years. You get $50,000 for the first two years. I believe that at the time I was signing up, if you sign for a third year, you would get $20,000 for that third year. And then each year afterwards would be $10,000.
0: Okay, Sammy, so at that point you have a few different options and need to make a decision.
1: Correcto, Mungo, my sister. I had to make quite the decision at that time. And I did have an appreciation for how important that decision was. So what I did is calculate each of the three options. If I'm paying down my loans, in what time frame could I pay it off? And how much money should I really be trying to additionally contribute to my loans to pay that off as fast as possible? If I'm doing the public student loan forgiveness, how much money am I going to be contributing each year? And in total, how much money will I pay? And how does that compare to how much I would pay if I just tried to pay it off as soon as possible? Then I had this new scholarship option to think about, which was if I get $50,000 for a two-year contract, how quickly can I pay this loan off? It's interesting because I actually, even though I was obviously not that good about thinking about my finances at that time, I actually did think about it. And I remember thinking about the NHSC scholarship in particular, and that with a student loan balance of $164,000, the interest that first year would be around $11,400 about So that would already take up a big chunk of the $50,000 to begin with. And then the remainder would go towards my student loan balance. And the scholarship is a contract. If you break the contract, you actually have to pay back what they give you with a high interest rate. And also, it's the same situation where I would have to be also paying my loans down aggressively to make that decision worth it.
0: So that, Sammy, basically leaves you with two decisions, which is, do you pay off your student loans or do you go for this pumpkin spice latte fund? (laughs)
1: The PSLF.
0: And I decided
1: to do the PSLF, the Public Service Loan Forgiveness. And it's really interesting because part of me did that because I knew that I wanted to spend a good amount of money. This is the first time I was making a big chunk of money where I had tons of disposable income. And in my head, I knew that I wanted to spend a decent amount of it. Granted, I'm still putting 15% of my income towards a student loan a month. So it's not cheap. But at the same time, it's not like I'm aggressively trying to pay down the loan and I have to live this frugal lifestyle.
0: Yes, yeah, Amy, an important thing there too is to know yourself and have a realistic picture of who you're going to be in the next few years. A lot of people, in any type of loan that they're paying off, or even if they're trying to decide how and when to pay their income tax, there are different things where people will say, oh, well, It's better if I have the money because then I will invest it or I will do something to it which will actually make the money grow, but then they're not actually living that lifestyle, which in this case for you at that time, looking at yourself and saying, I'm young, I'm in San Francisco, I'm not status post-adulting yet is probably what you thought in that moment. And also, while I appreciate the transparency that you thought you wanted to live your best life. I also think you saw that the numbers were pretty close at the end. So it's not like you chose one option that was also a huge financial detriment by any means.
1: That's correct, Michelle. And I will say it has worked out exceedingly well for me, if I'm being honest. Because I did that whole spendy lifestyle for a few years before finding out about FIRE. Then I completely changed my lifestyle. Instead of spending all my money outside the money that was going into my bills and the student loans... I started investing it. And as we now know, this has been one of the biggest stock market increases ever. So it ended up working out super well. Now my net worth is no longer negative. I have more money in positive assets than I do in debt. And the weirdest part is COVID. During COVID, they cut the interest on student loans, but they also, for people who are part of the public service loan forgiveness, As long as you're continuing to work at your job, most being COVID-related jobs, then they would still count the payments, even though you didn't have to make monthly payments. All that time still counts towards the 10 years. I do think that once you do the math and once you have a plan, it's amazing how everything really starts to fall into place.
0: Yeah, Sammy. I do think it's also nice that as a healthcare worker during COVID, something worked to your benefit.
1: Yes, I did get COVID and I still can't smell properly nine months later. So I'm not saying that COVID itself is good, but the adjustments to student loans, I am very grateful for.
0: So, Sammy, as somebody who was very intentional and diligent about your student loan journey, what do you feel like are the takeaways for people who are on a similar path or at least are facing student loans and thinking about, shoot, how the heck am I going to deal with this?
1: Yes, Michelle. Tip number one, don't ignore it. Take a look at it and figure out your options. The first thing to know is what are your interest rates? Probably over the time that you've accumulated student loans, you might have multiple different loans with multiple different interest rates. So I would recommend getting a feel of what are the interest rates for each of those loans. And you can even figure out when you put those all together, what's your overall interest rate for the loans? That's an important factor in deciding how you're going to deal with the loans. A really helpful thing is just knowing how much interest you accumulate each year. For me, with my $164,000 in loans, it's about $11,400-ish. There's articles online which tell you exactly how to calculate that for you. But it's helpful to know because when you're thinking about paying off your loan, you also have to think about paying off that additional interest each year. Because if you're not even paying off the interest, then each year you're accumulating more and more debt rather than paying it off, even if you're contributing a decent amount of money.
0: I'll add to that, Sammy. One thing that my cousin told me when I was ignoring my student loans, didn't want to deal with them, but I was actually saving money in my savings account. She said to me, You're paying more in interest on your student loan than you are gaining on your little did you know, very low (laughs) interest rate on my savings account, which meant I'm losing money every single day that I'm not paying off my student loans. And it actually made more sense after I had my emergency fund paying off my student loan.
1: Exactly, Michelle. And then the next thing is considering consolidation into private loans. So there are private loans where you can put your money into a private company and they usually give you a lower interest rate. The important read, very important thing about this is that if you put your money in these consolidated loans like SoFi and those kind of things, you no longer qualify for things like public service loan forgiveness. And most likely, if there's any type of government assistance with student loans in the future, you're probably not going to qualify for that either. So if they're like $10,000 off everybody's loans because of COVID and we want to help everybody out, you might not be able to qualify if you've consolidated your loans. So just keep that in mind.
0: Yeah, Sammy, I would say if you asked me two years ago, we'd be like, that's a gamble. Who knows? And now there have been so many real government policies, even the one you mentioned earlier. Those sort of things are obviously top of mind for everybody right now because that is affecting people today.
1: Absolutely, Michelle. And another thing to consider is whether you qualify for any programs like public service loan forgiveness. There's one specifically for teachers, the NHSC scholarship. If you qualify for these, it's good to consider them in your options. Truthfully, if you don't have a large student loan balance, I know for public service loan forgiveness, it's usually like if your student loans are less than 1.5 times your annual income, then it's usually just better to go ahead and pay it off. But that's the math you have to do for yourself. Which brings me to my next point, which is do the math. Do the math. As Christy Shen of Quit Like a Millionaire says, math up. Honestly, mathing up is what has made me have a really good outcome with my student loan situation because one day I spent maybe like three to four hours going through all these different scenarios and it was literally life-changing. So yeah, once you know what your potential options are, go through the different scenarios. Make sure you consider your annual interest that you accumulate in those scenarios and see how quickly will you pay it down in different scenarios or how much money will you pay over time in different scenarios. Evaluate all of those factors. Another important thing to think about, especially if you're someone who's listening to a podcast like Status Post Adulting, is opportunity cost. For example, if I have $50,000 of extra income and I put it all towards my student loan, that means that that's money that I'm not, let's say, investing into the stock market or even a savings account. So comparing those interest rates and the average interest rate of the market and seeing what's going to be better for you is something to consider, as well as your own psychology. There is definitely something to be said about having no debts. You can leave your job at any time, you can go on a sabbatical, you don't have to worry about bills. So I completely understand the rationale to completely just pay down your loan as soon as possible, because it does give you freedom.
0: Definitely, Sammy, that's me. Paying off my student loans was such a major milestone for me. I hate the thought of getting into debt. And for me, the peace of mind I get knowing that it's done with and that I've tied that up is enough to make me happy over thinking about some of the other opportunity costs that might exist.
1: It is super liberating, Michelle. And I know I'm going to be super excited on the day that my loan balance is zero. I wanted to mention something else as well. A lot of people hear about my student loan forgiveness and they think, well, that's great. Now I feel comfortable getting this super expensive degree that I was planning on getting, because I can just do student loan forgiveness like you and work for a nonprofit, etc. etc. Let me tell you all. Student loan forgiveness is something that I used as a tool once I already got myself into a bad situation, which was into debt. A better plan would be completely avoiding all that debt to begin with. I understand that that's not always an option, but I do think that, especially with the rising costs of college, it's important to think about how much you're going to actually make from the degree that you get.
0: So true, Sammy. These high levels of student debt are relatively new, if you will. And so we're starting to get a better sense of what the real cost of education is, and whether or not you choose to pursue different degrees. I agree with you, Sammy, in that it's better to have a plan before you get in debt and to make sure you really understand it and see if there are ways that you can plan ahead, get scholarships, find programs that will help pay off your education, those sort of things.
1: It really is new, Michelle. And that's why for today's content corner, I wanted to share the thoughts of Christy Shen and Bryce Lewin. They are a couple who really thought about college tuition versus the degree that you earn versus how much income you actually make when you come out of college. Christy Shen talks about this in her book, Quit Like a Millionaire. Excellent book about financial independence. Love the story. They also discuss it on their blog, Millennial Revolution, and they talk about it on the *Choose Chooseify podcast as well. Christy actually came up with something called the pot score.
0: Whoa, 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 Sammy, it's not that kind of podcast. (laughs) The pot score
1: is pay over tuition. So basically, you take the median starting salary that you can expect earning above minimum wage with the degree that you're going to get. And you divide that by the total tuition cost of the degree. And then with that number, you get the amount of money that you would get back for every dollar that you invest into your degree. So on their blog, Christy and Bryce use the example of a dental hygienist, and they end up having a pot score of 1.2. So for every $1 they invest into the dental hygienist degree, they get $1.2 back. So it's positive and it's worth it. In her book, Quit Like a Millionaire, Christy also goes into more specific examples And she compares med school and the pot score of a creative writing degree, and they're about the same. So it's really interesting because a lot of these high-income careers may also come with high debt, and if you're going to be accumulating that debt, then I think it's definitely worth it to consider how much of a return on investment you're going to get for that degree.
0: I love that, Sammy, because I always knew my liberal arts degree was equivalent to a med degree.
1: Yes, your liberal arts degree, which then took you into sales.
0: We both help people, Sammy.
1: <laughs> I'm sure has a great pot score as well.
0: Don't sleep on sales people. And don't sleep with them either. <laughs> anyway, thanks so much for listening today, guys. We hope this was helpful. If you have any questions or there's anything specific you want us to look into and talk about about student loans, please send us a DM at Adulting on Instagram. Or send us an email, statuspostadulting at gmail.com. We'll link anything we reference in the show notes, and you can find our show notes for any episode at our website, com.
1: And most importantly, be sure to join us next time as we put down the rulebook and rethink the status quo.